What's going on, everybody? You've got the car board coaches here with your boy, Coach Coach. And I am the cartel. I'm in a great mood today, Brendan. See, and it, it kind of sounded like carbo, carbo coaches. Let like me tell you something. The carbohydrate coaches. That I got two points. The first is last week you threw me off because you said <laughs> I know. It, you said I don't know it what I was saying. didn't sound like it normally does. So I went out of my way to overthink what is normally just second nature. Um, yeah. So that's number one. And, and number that's two, how became the carbo coaches. Number two, uh, as someone who was raised in a household where we spoke predominantly Portuguese for a good a good portion of my life. Um, I don't pronounce things well at all sometimes. There are, there are some words and phrases that just either evade me or I just have never been able to say accordingly. So I got to make this thing a little brighter in here. We're pressing some buttons today. We're yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, uh, we, we're, we are turning on some lights and shedding some light <laughs> on uh, some crazy stuff in the hobby as always, team. And we're going to be kicking off this episode with some slab screw ups. That's and right. Shout out to Cartel for coming up with that little, uh, little slab two, two word. Now we have a title all of a sudden. And uh, we had some sound effects. We like, like a, like a, like screwing it in and slab screw ups. That's well outside my pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so last week we briefly touched upon um cracking slabs and uh you know not necessarily suggesting it but it seems to be all the rage right now um well, I and thought we were talking about crossing over slabs and talking about one that was not cracked right you're now. right you're right you're right well we talked about the one that was cracked the the kobe we talked about the kobe the kobe bryant did we not i feel like right, we, did. Right. we did we, we touched on the kobe yeah, yeah we briefly talked about a kobe bryant that it was originally graded a psa 5 that got regraded with PSA, got a PSA 8, and then on the third try, it was cracked, resubbed to Beckett, and finally got a 9.5. So now give us the details here, Brendan, because you saw the follow-up. Yeah, I did, actually. So um, Christian, um, I believe, uh, I mean, I'm going to get his nostalgic.christian, and this gentleman has gone... First I thought all, he, he meant like he was like a religious guy, but is his name Christian? I think his name's Christian. Yeah, yeah. Because I thought it was like some religious card. No, 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 no. I'm pretty Which sure his name. Totally name's... cool. Yeah, no. I'm, his, I'm his name. Cardboard and Christ. His name is Christian, and he received a lot of messages after that post. And uh, you know what? Kudos to him for you know putting himself out there because the people who are heavily invested in let's say PSA slabs um I know that at least for the the video that I posted on TikTok number one people did not want to hear what I had to say they were they they were like this is ridiculous like this is all fake like this definitely didn't happen there's no way PSA graded like there are two different cards like people are very much in denial about what what happened there 
You, you can and, imagine the kind of emails this guy got. Um, yeah, or, yeah, or yeah. And like, why are you lying? You know, like you're uh, you're you're faking it. Like, I mean, I don't know what he has to gain from like getting hate. Like, really, to be honest. Um, but anyway, he followed up. Uh, I think it was yesterday or two days ago. He made a post, basically talking about how he has graded thousands of cards, and uh, that you know is common practice from the crack slabs out and he has a whole system and his system you know nat turner actually initially commented on his post saying that the the cards that he submitted that the five was actually an eight like so that basically trying to discredit the whole post like make it seem like they weren't the same card that was graded now it turns out that they exchanged several different messages and this is based on his post. They exchanged several different messages. And I mean, Christian and Nat Turner and basically Christian submitted three Kobe's and they were doing fingerprinting and they were doing all these things to try to establish which one was the five and which one was the eight initially that were sent in. Cause he sent Does in. Does that mean that, that PSA has started this process of doing, um, dna fingerprinting or whatever based on what nat turner said yes now where it gets tricky is christian said that he submitted this the the cards in a specific order based on how he cracked them out of their slabs so he would know which ones graded which grades well to which nat turner responded Allegedly, I mean, I haven't actually seen an email, but allegedly saying that it's not it's not uncommon for the cards to be graded out of order. Now, right. Um, Yeah, that's the problem. That's a huge problem, bro. That is I mean, so so this this gentleman, whether his name is Christian or he is a devout follower. he had the first card graded PSA five, which he found to be profoundly incorrect. Uh, and I get that because I mean, look, I maybe once in my life that I receive an eight where I was kind of thrown off guard, but a five, I couldn't imagine. Right. Unless I know I, I recently submitted uh, a, a vintage hockey card that I know is going to come in at a five or less. That's fine. Yeah. But a modern card that he talks about prepping it and wiping it, by the way, I've never wiped a card like with a, I mean, I've made sure it doesn't have debris on it. But anyway, people wipe cards, whatever. I mean, I feel um, like for Chrome, I feel like Chrome, you have to. Yeah, it, you get- it, it seems to work for people. I've never, I've never done that. I don't know. But anyway, it, it seems to be the way to go. Um, and that surprised them. And, and I, I understand that. That is a huge, if you're expecting an eight, eight or nine and a five comes your way, some, something, something happened there. Uh, that that's not representative of PSA or grading as a whole. That's a human error or something happened. Um, he cracks it out and looks at it and he's like, it's still nice. Yeah. Uh, and he proceeds. I, I believe this is where there's a, a confusion. The other two cards were not previously slabbed. I believe he bought them raw. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're so, right. So now he's got three cards. Yeah. Three of the same Kobe. Three Kobe, Kobe tops. Yeah. Two of them are new to him that he's purchased and he wants to submit because he thinks he's got a shot at a high grade. And then the third one is um, uh, that previously graded five. 
he puts them in a specific order because yeah. he wants to keep an eye on what happens with that other card. And all three come back in eight. So no matter what, he is claiming that a previously graded five came back in eight because they're all eight, right? Yeah. So, but the other issue is Nat Turner saying that it may have been out of order, which now that I'm thinking about it, I mean, again, it doesn't really matter. The five still became an eight. I agree. Um, but by virtue of him saying that it was out of order, that that should alert a lot of people because it's very explicitly stated on the PSA website. It's got to be in order, and that's how they're going to be graded. And why is that important? Well, if Brendan and I both have a Tatis rookie, you know, it, it, we made well, we're smarter than that. We put them in separate chunks. You know, they're, they're far yeah. away from one another in the yeah. list. But if someone didn't do that, if they're putting them in with their buddy and they put them in order, mine is 1A and yours is 1B, what happens if it gets graded out of order? So that is a legitimate, that's a legitimate concern. These cards, by the way, ended up getting cracked from the PSA slab and then graded to BGS 9.5. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. Which I think is totally separate. Um, that, that whole thing, like, okay, who's that good for? Is that good for PSA? Is that good for BGS? Does that mean BGS? I is agree, a, right? Like, like, like does what that is that? BGS is a better grader? Maybe like they're what? not. Maybe they're an easier grade. Like, maybe they're easier on the 9.5, but impossible on the 10. You know what I mean? Like, maybe but, there are PSA 8s that are actually BGS 9.5s. Maybe they're incredibly minty 9s that Beckett gave a 9.5. But the point is, what happened with that first PSA 5 grading? Yeah. Okay, so we have yet another in a stack of anecdotes of people finding that their cards have been severely undergraded or improperly graded. Um, and then this is all just getting mixed in with all the other quote unquote slab screw ups that we are seeing. We've seen several Beckett slabs with the card upside down, which kills OCD collectors. You know, that want, <laughs> I saw two from the same set. One was upside down and one wasn't. Um, and, uh, and you want to hear something crazy about that sub. So uh, I think it was like M- Mickey, Mickey cards, Mickey, something, Mickey B cards. I'll, I'll find out. But so what's crazy about that sub is that sub was a 10 day Beckett sub sent out. I think it was July, 2020. And yeah, he, I mean, I'm waiting on a Well, I maybe not because I'm waiting on a July, 2020, but it was a 10 day bro. Okay, that's different. Mine wasn't. It was yeah. a 10-day submission. Yeah, yeah. From not, July not, 2020, notice, bro. There's not a lot as much chatter about how delayed Beckett is. Like, okay. I mean, you you brought it up, right? Like, I mean, I when you told me that it's been a year, I oh. was I was pretty shook. I was like, what? Like how? You know, like I mean, yeah, PSA's been rammed, but like it's not like BGS had a flurry of it's like it's not like people were like dropping trout to go hang out with BGS. Like, well, you got to remember they were constantly taking in hauls from shows before the lockdown hit. Um, there was a lot of group submissions with Beckett, a lot of store submission groups. So they were quietly racking it up while everyone was window licking P- P- PSA. Right? I almost said the nastiest four letters in the hobby, but um, but yeah. Um, that, that is crazy. That delay is crazy. Um, we're waiting on obviously Beckett as well to start taking some form of regular submission. 
Um, but getting back to uh, the slab issues, uh, there's even a story today, Brendan, we haven't talked about this yet. And I don't know if you saw it. It's a gentleman who sent in some Brady's. Have oh, you heard about this? I haven't seen it. And these cards are lost. I, I want to limit how much I'm commenting on it because I haven't gone through the whole video. Yeah, I and mean, it's a, it's a relatively new. But it, it's looking like a theft scenario with FedEx. How often are you hearing about shipping issues lately? A lot, a lot. Honestly, a lot. Every time, every time you and I sent out our big box of PSA cards, and I'm filling out that form and writing down sports cards and yeah, sports, yeah, yeah. sports authenticator. Hey. I'm telling you, I was uh, so because like I I had a sub out, like I had to sub twice now. Um, in the last two months, I sent out subs, and both times I was stressing until they actually arrived. And I found, I found like, normally I'm really not, but like just based on like all the exposure, the hobbies getting. And I mean, we can talk briefly about like how Joe Rogan's talking about sports cards right now. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's crazy. And so with all this hobby exposure, like you're hearing more and more about bad situations and bad apples and people who, are trying to take advantage of, and I mean, we, we pretty much like from the beginning, we've been talking about all the things that people don't really want to talk about and the not so sexy things about the hobby. Um, but now we got to worry about post postal workers and, and, and it extends even, you know, I mean, look, I like to say that collecting is collecting. Like, you know, we have a lot of crossovers, which is why it's important to look at, even if you're not involved in collecting comic books, even if you're not involved in Pokemon, it pays to keep an eye on what's going on on those markets. It pays to keep an eye on what are they talking about? What are their big concerns? And you'll notice there's a lot of crossover. Um, well, the, 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 the face labs, very- that, that was first big f- with Pokemon. Like... That, yes. that was the big, the biggest, con- like the initial concern was Pokemon first and foremost, before like we started to, to really see like some ramblings of fake slabs. You know what I mean? Any, any collectible that is now like everything has changed in these last two years. So dramatically, we are talking about real valuable assets. We're talking about wealthy people, IMG, all these different companies coming into this with that comes the same issues that you see with, with fine art and, and, and that sort of thing, where once certain hands start getting involved, the numbers get so drastically ridiculous. And a lot of it, by the way, is as a result of the fact that this, we're going to see vehicles for, for money laundering, essentially. We're going to see vehicles for a lot of nefarious stuff going on. Oh, yeah. We're getting into astronomical numbers here. Yeah. And the more people hear about this, the more Joe Rogan shows there are, um, there's going to be all these different opportunities starting from something as simple as getting your mail stolen. Yeah. Right. Now there is a, uh, 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 an excellent account on Instagram that deals mostly with vintage t-shirts in the professional wrestling realm in particular. And he got caught in the switcheroo, which is a, something to be concerned about on eBay. And we'll, t- I'll talk a little bit as best I can in terms of how to avoid this, but Essentially, imagine you are sending out, Brendan, a $500 uh, $500 soccer card. You send it out to the person tracking. You do everything correctly. They receive it and claim 
Actually, Coach Co sent me a $50 soccer card, completely different card. And then they message eBay and make that claim. Where does that leave Coach Co in all of this? And as that t-shirt seller vendor found out, it leaves him up the creek without a paddle because he's now had that money held. And now he's supposed to accept this return from this guy who claims it's a different shirt and it's a disaster. And look, it doesn't matter if it's $5, $500, $1,000. This sort of thing puts a lot of stress on a human being. Yeah. It can lead to sleepless nights and a lot of frustration. And we tend to hold on to it when we get done wrong like that. Now, that's a huge concern. And all of our individual experiences are going to dictate how we feel about this. I always say, Brendan, you know, like, it's funny. I'm always in the background during a discussion about eBay, not saying much because I've had such a great experience for the most part for so many years, but that's not to take away from someone that that doesn't mean I'm not going to disrespect someone who has a bad experience because I know it happens. Right. Um, So again, just as an example, something that we need to be aware of is because of all these issues, you, you really need to be on top of everything. It starts with, you know, scans, taking notes of serial numbers of slabs of the cards themselves, um, taking photo evidence of yeah. how you're packing. So people are going to the lengths of packing things at the post office and taking photos. And again, be careful with what you're doing. Ensure the item for what it's worth. There's so many people taking so many different shortcuts, sometimes not just for themselves, sometimes for their buyers, right? Yeah. They don't want their buyers have to, well, they don't want to import, import sort of fees prices. and shit, right? Like, I mean, we're, right. we deal we deal with the states and vice versa, right? And yeah, the I package mean, I got from Hong Kong, the guy, it was like the, the cards in there were a few hundred dollars and he put like five bucks. Um, that could cause him huge problems down the line. Yeah. Uh, but that's what he's choosing to do. Yeah. So we all take these little shortcuts and that sort of thing. I think those days are gone. You have to now go that extra mile to yeah. prove everything that you're doing. And it's not even just big cards. Like, for instance, and it's funny you mentioned, like, like things weigh on you. Like, even, you know, like, so on the weekend I had, last weekend, I had my first ever refund. And a uh, gentleman received a card that I, I sold him. And uh, keep in mind, this card was $8, okay? So just, eight. like, eight, eight dollars, $8, $8, okay? $8 with $3 shipping. Okay. So you can pretty much figure out what kind of card this was. Okay. It was, yep. you know, it, 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 I've got it, something interesting to say though, when you're done your story, but yes, $8 card. It was, uh, I mean, it's, it's valuable to the right, to, to the right person. And uh, it's a rookie card of a pretty prominent soccer player. And quite honestly, this card, I think should be 15, $20 and could very well by the end of like the soccer season could very well be 15, $20. Um, Anyway, long story short, he sent me two pictures of uh, like bent edges. Nowhere in my in the, the photos that I took on eBay were there bent bent edges. Um, and uh, you know, he's like, "Well, you know, I'm really disappointed with how this card was received." And uh, I was really quite shook because I'm like, "Did I miss something?" You know, like, did I? Did I, it was something with the packaging or, you know, so like I was distraught. I was like, I was actually upset over like, like 11 bucks and like, not because I wanted to save $11, but because like, I didn't know if 
I had actually made a mistake. And if I did, I want to, I want to make that right. So what I did was I offered him a full refund regardless. And I said, Hey, listen, like I'll pay for postage. Like you just send the card back. Well, that's how it should be anyway. Yeah. I agree. Um, but nonetheless, like, I'm like, man, like we're talking about like an $11, like $11 causing me anxiety. Like I can't imagine like a high ticket item. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So in 2020, I issued two refunds and there were a lot of transactions. Um, yeah. They were both basketball cards. I remember, you know, making the joke to myself because I very rarely sell basketball. I said, if I ever have to issue refunds, I bet it will be basketball. It's not any super specific reason, but um, I just think because it's just such a hot market. And the first thing I thought in my head was kids. Yeah. Right. I feel like I'm mostly selling hockey to adults, uh, MMA to adults. Uh, for some reason, I feel like a lot of kids are buying basketball. But nonetheless, they were all cards under $20, uh, you know, claims from these kids in the States that say they never got it. So I'm losing the card and the money. Yeah. Um, but thankfully again, two times. Um, so look, I'm assuming that you packed it very well. Uh, I'm just going to shoot this out there since I have it in front of me. Um, card goes in team bag. Yeah. Carding top loader goes in team bag. Yep. I have these small pieces of cardboard I've cut out to go in there as well. Goes in padded envelope, right? Bro, uh, I, I put the painter's tape even yep. on the top loader in the team bag, like yes. just to prevent it from moving just in case, like, so it doesn't slip even into the team bag. That's how yeah. anal I am. And that's again, why you know, I was like, what? Yeah. So, and again, and all you can do is again, really good scam and someone's still going to find, uh, so this yeah. year I've had no refunds, but I had a gentleman who bought a UFC prism card and managed to find the smallest scratch that I didn't see. And uh, from that, uh, the way, I'm pretty good with customer service. The way I resolved that was I told him, I'm going to give you free shipping on your next purchase. And I'm going to take the $5 you paid for this card and apply it to the purchase. And he immediately took advantage of that. And we were good. Um, so, yeah, it, it may not have been your fault, right? Yeah. And, uh, but it may have been something that got past you. But again, uh, and it's entirely possible. You know what I mean? Like I am one person and, you know, like, but still like I'm, it, it just really makes you second guess. And I think that's ultimately like what we're talking about here. It's like, we're just, it, it's really hard to navigate what is, what is true and what is false and what, who you can believe and who you can't. And it's uh it's a lot, man. It's a lot. Yeah, it's crazy. It is. Absolutely. It is. It um, almost makes you want to think about like, less like less than times like back like collecting like 90s hockey you know like sure. you know but like you ripped that and there was never really any issues and you no one really gave a shit about i mean they care about like the quality of it but you know it was never like oh is this a fake card well, you know you're, like, talking, you're, you're talking you know pre-grading times now that's not true about the fake cards because really, when, eh? I was, when back in 89 and 90 that is when, you know, that the initial bubble was building and fake cards were very prevalent. So really hearing a lot about fake Patrick Waugh's, fake uh, Gretzky's and, and Brett Hall's uh, very well known across the hobby and uh, very easily identifiable now uh, in, in most cases. But yeah, there were fake cards. But beyond that, you, you always felt like that was mythological. It would never happen to you. 
plus as a kid, I'm not out there buying Gretzky rookies anyway. Yeah. Uh, but you're basically talking about pre-grading. You're talking about before grading was a thing. Yeah. And it was really up to you and your grading guy to figure out, well, my, my uh, you know, Yager rookie looks a little better than yours. So mine should be 20 and yours should be 15. And that's kind of how it was. And it was all subjective. Like it still is yeah. at the end of the day. But we now have these companies that seem to have the final say. We've given them a lot of power. But again, we needed that. Uh, in many ways. Again, grading is just an enhancement, right? For sure. And, and it really helped us like expand, especially online during COVID, right? Like, and, right. and now like we're not limited by borders. Like, I mean, essentially like grading was put like the reason why it's so prevalent and so necessary is because in order to have these transactions take place overseas and if they're not in person, it's very, 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 very hard for someone to know exactly what they're buying, to be honest. Like, now that's ultimately what it's for. And again, you know, that is leading to what we're seeing now with uh, all sorts of issues with slabs. Uh, again, getting back to the slabs, we saw people posting about HGA, again, having a little bump in the road with curvature in their slabs. Um, I, have I not mentioned this on the show before? What's that? that I, that was one of the reasons why I didn't grade with them again, to be honest. Like, I, and I don't know if it's just something that like they naturally have a curve. Like, I don't so know if that's order that you sent in all that time ago had curved slabs. All four of them had curves. I did you not let me know. That? All four of them were curved. I swear well, I've talking. mentioned it on the show before. Well, apparently they, they knew about this and potentially they fixed it but man i'm sorry it was, and, and no i'm, I, I'm convinced that i've talked about this because i've said that they feel very malleable as well so like you mentioned were, that i remember curve they curve and it felt very malleable. like it was like it was uncomfortably like i could bend this thing it felt like right, and i right. hated that i was like man i just don't feel like my like, I feel like it's in like cheap plastic, to be honest. And like, no disrespect if yeah, you have that's, HGA. That's, that's a and, lot of bumps in the road for me. You know, like, I wish HGA the best of luck. And I, you know, those people who enjoy grading with them, go for it. I'll, you know, good on you. And But I'm just saying that I, got, I graded with them. And I just didn't feel comfortable with what I got back, to be honest. Right. And that's pretty important at the end of the day. That's the bread and butter is if you feel comfortable with it and you feel like you got good quality service. Yeah. Um, it's not an easy thing to do to, to just come out and be a grading company. You know, again, referring to that WADA video, you know, when they issued those initial press releases and Heritage made it clear that they were only going to be offering WADA products and WADA had just started. Carl Jobs or Jobs made a very a great point. Why? Why is the top auction house aligning with a company that has no track record? Nothing. Nothing to show for what they produce, but they're so confident in them that they are going to basically anoint them the top grading company. And we're seeing the same thing now with VHS. It's all so incredibly shady. Um, yeah. Buyer beware. Uh, human beings beware of, of, of what you're seeing. Um, but I think we've, yeah, we've covered, look, there's, there's going to be, there's going to be errors. There's going to be errors. Uh, I, I said last show, it's a lottery. It's wacky. Yes. <clears throat> you never know. Yes. And ultimately, like, we're not trying to be negative here. Ultimately, we're trying to show you that 
I mean, what you didn't think was possible is always possible right now. Like literally my, my, my best advice is to do what you do on the, like do find a consistent, find a consistency and stick with that consistency. Yep. So, you know, find a grading company you like. I, I always encourage people to try new ones as well. Try SGC, try BGS. Um, be very, you know, uh, be, be super, super specific and track everything you do. Yeah. Be meticulous, you know, be meticulous. Be meticulous. Yes. Uh, do, do, do the recommended intake where you're using the right sleeves. You're using the right card savers, uh, package them up really intensely. Here's an order going out to SGC. They have been individually, you know, placed in those card savers and then maybe five at a time. I put them in bubble wrap. I'm then going to affix them to some cardboard in a sandwich. And then I'm going to put them in another bubble envelope here. Like this. It doesn't fit. Like that. And then nice. this sandwich will then be box in a small box. Yeah. So, I mean, that's like impenetrable fortress style. Yeah, man. You should have seen how I packaged it. And especially because it was like my first, like, I mean, it was only 18 cards, but it was like probably like the biggest sub that I, I did like without you there, you know? Right. And so I, I made these things ready for World War Three, man. Like there was so much bubble wrap in there, but I'm like, listen, I'm still going to pay the same amount for shipping. So like, why not make sure that these things get there securely? They get there without getting messed up. Like ultimately, if you want top dollars for your stuff, like you need to treat it like it's top dollar stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, moving on from that, um, these crazy stories. And I, I definitely, am. when we're done, I'm going to, I'm going to look into that situation with these missing Brady's just good to know about this stuff. Be aware, um, everything from purchasing to sending out stuff for submission to selling, just being on top of that stuff, keeping an ear to the ground. This is why people follow certain pages like card porn. You don't have to be a fan of card porn. You can have your own opinions about them. But there's some important information there. No one else would be bringing that to light, right? Yeah. So, uh, although there's probably a few other pages that do it as, as well. Uh, so, Brendan, I want to talk a little bit. Today is the day. It's Saturday, UFC 266. It's a pretty huge event. Uh, I'm not sure how many of our listeners are into MMA. Uh, but this can kind of cross over a little bit into other sports as well. It's just that with MMA, it's, uh, it's a, it's, it was a, a license that was held by Tops and is now held by Panini. Panini's been doing a great job so far. Surprised I'm saying that. Um, as far as the quality control issues we've seen with other sports, it exists. It's there. I see it. But uh, the thing I wanted to talk about was, you know, people that are getting into MMA right now are finding it's very difficult to identify rookie cards. And there's also other, there's a big question here. So in baseball, Bobichette's rookie year, I'm just using him as, as an example because we happen to be in Toronto. Or you could use Vladimir Guerrero if you want. Vladimir Guerrero's rookie year is what? 2019. Yep. So every card in every set that's Guerrero is technically a rookie year card. And then he has what's, what's accepted as base rookie cards. Pops Chrome. Pops Update. Right? Pops Finest. These base rookie cards. And they're often denoted with a rookie card logo. Right? So in MMA, we have this weird thing going on where... 
because it started in 2009 and Topps released two sets that year, round one and round two, although I don't think either one is formally known as round one and round two. They're just referred to that because it's 2009 Topps. First set they released. And but they say, that, they say that on the card though, right? No. Yeah, it does. I think it says round one on it, I think. It might on round one, but not on round two. Okay. Uh, but it's, I think it's just kind of lovingly called round two. Okay. Um, so a lot of people associate the rookie cards in that first set. My counter argument to that, not that I want to die on a hill or anything, I'll, I'll give up pretty easily, is that the 2009 round two cards are rookie cards as well. They were released during that same year. Yeah. Um, but that's just one thing. The whole other thing is there are some cards that just simply are not denoted as rookie cards. Uh, Nick Diaz, who's fighting tonight after a seven-year layoff, has multiple cards from 2012. I'm holding up a Bloodlines Nick Diaz card and a Knockout Nick Diaz card. They both came out in 2012. That is the year of his first base cards. There are no indications on these cards that it's a rookie, a debut, anything. Sounds a lot like soccer, bro. Sounds a lot like That's probably the closest cousin to this situation now. yeah. Now, there are, some, there are some significant examples. So the John Jones rookie card, good old John Jones, who literally, as we speak, I think is in jail. Kills me, man. I love that guy. Right after he gave a, a, an interview where it seemed like his entire team sat down with him and they're like, let's change things. Yeah. And then two hours later, he's arrested. Um, so the John Jones rookie card, 2009 round two, is a debut card, which features his debut fight. So while it doesn't have a rookie logo or anything like that, you can say, okay, this is a debut card. Yeah. That's rookie. Um, some other significant examples I'm trying to think of. Well, there's a few cards that say first autograph, right? So like at least, at so least that's a whole other thing. People yeah, collect yeah. the rookie base and the rookie autograph. And there's sometimes a huge gap between where the autograph is versus the base. Crazy. So it becomes even more confusing, right? And they're both well collected. People like the base rookies and the autograph rookies. Yeah. The vast majority of rookie autographs in MMA, especially from the Topps product, it says first autograph in an octagon logo. Yeah. Um, so, for example, Nate Diaz, Nick's brother, that's 2010 Topps, and it is a first auto. By the way, one of the most underpriced autograph rookies, in my estimation, in the hobby. It only goes for about two two fifty right now. Doesn't really make sense given his uh, his incredible, you know pop culture uh wow there was a stunning knockout in the prelims right now the guy is still out cold um but uh what you'll also find is they also refer to so for example donald cowboy cerrone has a card where it has a wec logo that was the company that he was with before it went to ufc and ufc took over that company just watching this knockout in slow motion right now the guy's jaw ends up over here um play by play and uh you will sometimes see that with strike force uh islam makachev who has a rookie in the tops chrome set i believe 2017 has a rookie card logo in an octagon that's very reminiscent of the baseball what about leaf and yeah and so like is Leaf is Leaf relevant in UFC? Like Leaf only had a release in 2010 and yeah. 2011. Yeah, that's what I mean. And um, they're relevant. Charles Oliveira, the current lightweight champion, had his first autograph in 2010. Leaf 2010 Leaf has some cards that that are 
fighters that were never in the UFC. So Fedora Melianenko and Gina Carano and Frank Shamrock. Well, Frank Shamrock was in the UFC. Yeah, he was. Has no autos in a UFC product. Those are desirable autograph, quote unquote, rookie cards. Um, Panini's doing a great job with the rookie card logos where where they are appropriate and on the autographs in some cases because Zabit Magomedish Sharipov. Zabit Magom, I used to be able to say this guy's name mellifluously. Zabit, I got to see it in front of me. Yeah. Everybody loves Zabit. He's going through some health issues. He had a rookie card logo in 2017 with Tops, didn't sign any autographs. His first autographs are in Panini products this year. They have no markings as far as being first, rookie card, et cetera. The reason why I'm kind of going out of my way with this is that when you go on eBay, Every Nick Diaz card is a rookie card. Everything's RC. Every yeah, yeah, yeah. Volkanovski card's a rookie. Every Holloway card's a rookie. There is some research needed here, um, is, is the point I'm trying to make. And uh, I do have an MMA primer, a UFC primer, on my page, Sports Card Cartel, if you can dig through some. I might actually just put it in my story for tonight in case uh, there are people watching MMA and getting excited about it. Um, that helps a little bit with that. Um, but again, don't just trust the sellers that are out there using the letters RC like crazy on everything. I mean, it does like, sound a lot like soccer, to be honest, because like soccer, as like I said, like I've said before, there's just so many different layers. There's like stickers and then there's like there's like stickers from like when they first came, like, for instance, like, uh, like a guy like Kevin De Bruyne's rookie sticker is like. 2009 or 2010 but like yeah. then there's like his first prism card which is like 2026 or sorry 2016 and people are like well that's his rookie and then people start digging and they find cards from like 2008 like it's just like it's also kind of like a market being developed and we've talked about this before like the more people find like not everyone's yes. as well versed you're right. There, there's actually you. discoveries in some of these sports, right? right? So like someone might be out there being like, this is probably the earliest, like 2010 is probably the earliest. Like I know me, I sent you some pictures of some, some UFC cards that I grabbed in my local card shop. And I mean, to my knowledge, like these were the early, first of all, these are 11 years earlier than any product out right now. So that, I mean, that's already pretty desirable, but that being said, I mean, I didn't really know of any product earlier than that. And then I found out that there was a 2009 set and not everyone's in that 2009 set, right? So it's, there's a lot of research that comes. And I mean, I wonder how many of these, these, like, these ads get updated once the person starts to actually, like, I wonder if in six months time, for instance, as the UFC market really starts to develop and we're already seeing some pretty big cards drop. Yeah. Um, if we start seeing less RCs, for instance, be, and, and not in, even in like a people being conniving, but more so just like way more like education with respect to the market. Right. Yeah. And there are websites that help a little bit here. Uh, TCDB. The trading card database is the one that I uh, use quite a bit. Although in looking at some of the MMA stuff, they're lagging, but maybe they're building it. Um, but certainly in hockey, it's very comprehensive. Uh, that was one way, you know, when it comes to an obscure player, like for example, Vladislav Trechak, 
if I want to collect his stuff, man, there's, there's so many strange European issues from the early 70s. And the, the, the trading card database comes in hand, uh, comes, comes in handy uh, quite a bit. Uh, and they sometimes even include obscure things like postcards and things like that. So for a PC, uh, you know, a personal collector of certain players, it's invaluable. I think it's, um, a, that's, that's awesome information for people, man. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm sure anyone who's listening could potentially say, I actually know an even better database. Uh, like with comic books, there's the, there's a grand internet comics database or something like that. So yeah, there's people on this. There's people, there's collectors and hobbyists that are on this helping other collectors with this kind of stuff, because it can be very, I would imagine soccer and MMA right now off the top of my head are probably the most difficult to track. Yeah. I mean, I get, I get like, say to someone, what is the Maradona rookie card? What is the Pele rookie card? Dude, there's like, there's, there's so many, like, and like every day we find new ones. Like I know initially it was supposed to be in 1979, uh, Calcitori for, for Maradona. And then now all of a sudden I've been seeing 1978 stickers, you know, and like, what, yeah. Where does that fall into it? And I think that the, the Jordan has a lot to do with this, to be honest, because right. like Jordan's rookie is like his third year. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like it, so, you know, you, you almost. Yeah. Some it, players don't get a, a card issued. Uh, yeah, sure. MMA, uh, Jan Blachowicz, the, the light heavyweight champion had been fighting in MMA for 10 years before he finally got a 2015 tops card. Really? Yeah, so this is just, there's no, sometimes there's no rhyme or reason. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's it's a tricky thing. You know that there are preseason hockey games tonight, Brendan? I was, yo, it actually <laughs> just popped up on my phone. That's so The funny. Blues and the Leafs. It's a smorgasbord for it me. It actually tonight. just popped up on my phone. I was like, hold up here. What? Yep. Wait a second. I know what I'm doing. Well, talking about hockey... That was a very smooth segue. <laughs> Talking about hockey, we wanted to, uh, Brendan, you might feel a little uncomfortable in this since you're so young and I am so decrepitly old. We'll see what we can do. Let's, let's do some spotlights on some sets here. And yep. um, one that is near and dear to me that I grew up with, that was the case of the first ever, quote unquote, you know, speculation in, in the hockey hobby was 1990-91 OPG premiere. So, you know, anyone who's listening that's into hockey knows this set. It's such a classic. It is chock full of rookie cards. Coming hot off the heels of the 8990 Opeachy set, which for some reason, and this is, this is background that maybe some other really hardcore hockey fans would really understand. For some reason, a lot of the, the top draft picks, 8089, 90 just we're not getting rookie cards in the 8990 sets. 8990 off the top of my head, we're talking Brian Leach. Trevor Linden, Theron Fleury. So 1991 rolled around and there was a big opportunity to put rookies in there. And they were not even popping up in the 9091 base OPG set until OPG decided to later in the season release what was their first quote unquote premium set, which became known as Premier, which is funny to a lot of people now because in the ensuing years, 91, 92, 92, 93, it was very symbolic of the junk wax era. Yeah. Um, 9091 was a lie in the sense that they called it a limited premium product. They made tons of it. But if you think they made a ton of 9091, as a result of the sales and the popularity, the next two years, they doubled the presses. You want to hear something so funny? I was gifted when I started collecting 
I was gifted my mom's hockey card collection, ironically enough, because my mom uh, was a diehard hockey. She, my mother collects everything, and I get most of That's my cool. collect. I get most of my collecting itch from my mother. Right on. But uh, she gave me cards from the year I was born. Yep. They're all Opeachy Premier from 1993, bro. So she well, gave me a lot of paperweights. Sure did. So, yeah, they, they just, I mean, you know, they reacted the same way a company reacts when a product is popular. The 9091 product, it first saw release in, as, as hobby boxes. It was direct to hobby stores. You wouldn't find this stuff at the convenience store. Like we often found packs of Opeachy when I was a kid. They then released um, what were sealed factory sets. And a lot of people who want to open those or use them for grading tend to avoid them because it's packed so tight, kind of like the 9091 uh, uh, score and upper deck releases. I think the worst was the high number upper deck because they were just like, there was nothing protecting the cards. Um, so this set was just packed full of rookie cards. Um, they did miss you know, some key ones. I mean, I wish I could know exactly what was going on in 9091 with these companies. Why did Martin Brodeur not make the cut? Why did Ed Belfour not make the cut? Yeah. But in the process, we, 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 we saw the creation of the most iconic rookie cards of some of the most important players of the era, right? So most specifically, Yarmir Yager, Jeremy Roenick, Sergey Fedorov, Mike Medano, Matt Sundin, and Curtis Joseph. I'm just naming kind of like the top ones. Joseph, uh, I believe, had an, had an OP. He was one of the few who actually had a regular OPG rookie. Yeah. In addition, upper deck, score, et cetera. Sandin had score upper deck. Medano had score upper deck. Fedorov did not have a score rookie. He, he appeared in the late upper deck set, and I believe in the extended score, only available in sealed factory sets uh, of the update. I think it was the same. No, Jeremy Roenick, I think, had base score and upper deck. Yager had base score and upper deck. These were always regarded as the go-to cards to get for these guys. Yager did not have a regular OPG base. And remember, up to that point, hockey collectors had tops and OPG. That's it. You had the American version and the Canadian version. The Canadian version was always more valuable. 89.90 because of the very limited tops print run, that became the more valuable key rookie card, Joe Sackick. Yeah. Although the OPG set was the only one that had Theron Fleury. It's crazy. So that that's that's its own thing as well. Um, man, Theron Fleury, he's a popular guy right now. Anyway, as I'm sure you've heard on Twitter. Um, so in addition to those cards, and, and we're going to get to some specifics about what to look for. In that set, again, I'm, I'm using uh, the Cardboard Connection as, as, my, uh, as my reference here. We're talking Hall of Famers and cult players when it comes down to it. Rob Blake, Peter Bondra, okay? Um, Ty Domi, who's a legend here in Toronto. Bob Essenza. Yeah. Um, Jeff Hackett. Bobby Holik, who's an Stop. excellent player. Peter Ng, who was a Maple Leaf goaltender that I loved as a kid. Um, Man, just tons and tons of rookie cards. I'm just trying to identify. Darren Turcotte, who was a solid player. Um, Is that Kevin Alex's Stevens, dad? Kevin Stevens. 
Is that uh, Alex Turcotte's dad, bro? Possibly. Is that is that the case? I don't know. Alex Turcotte. Uh, or, or... Mike Ricci, Robert Reichel, Keith Primo. Keithy. Man, if he didn't have injuries, that guy would have been... Owen Nolan, Peter Nedved, top yeah. draft picks at the time, right? Uh, Alexander McGilney. Stud. All right, so not only do you have those key cards, you just have an unbelievable wealth of, of rookie cards. Now, for the most part, these cards came out of gold foil pa uh, packs in pretty good shape. Um, the biggest issue, what would you guess the biggest issue would be that we see repeatedly with most of these companies? Corners. No. Really? Centering, right? But so I feel like, like, okay, so wait, when they first came out, you mean? Yeah, what, what, as a kid, I'm opening the packs. Yeah, yeah okay, okay. I thought you meant, because like we cracked some some open, and it's just like, it's it, even if the box is is perfect. Well, we, we, we cracked open some upper deck and score. Totally right. different issues. You're right, you're the right. Pack, the pack design in Premier was great. It was a very slim, thin gold foil. What were the score packs? They're made out of friggin' glad garbage bags. Yeah, I know, right? I know. The scorecards are the worst because they just produced so many. And a lot of them ended up out of boxes in like jumbles, like for like buying packs. And those corners were toast because they yeah. are literally in the thinnest plastic that, that score can find. Um, upper deck, the problem was because those were coming out of foil packs as well, correct? But they were being packed very tightly in boxes. And I think there were problems being caused that way. With OBG Premier, your only concern was centering. There was a lot of top-bottom issues with centering just because of the way that they were getting cut. You can find uncut sheets to this day. Really? Uh, there's, there's plenty out there. There's plenty out there. Uh, now, when you're looking at grading some of these cards, you're going to look at surface for any kind of small little divots or bubbling. Those exist. As a kid, we didn't care much about those. In going back and looking at stacks and stacks of OBG Premier, I'm finding those do exist. A little bubbling on the cardboard surface. And there is discoloration potentially on the back of the card. You're not, you're not going to find a lot that are snow white like they're supposed to be on the back. Uh, they've just suffered discoloration for some reason. I, uh, some maybe were improperly stored, but that is something you see as well that start to come into play with 1990-91 OPG Premier. Now, in my opinion, Brendan, the the top card is obviously the Yaramir Yager. What's up for grabs? What is number two? At the time, in 1991, it was Sergei Fedorov was hands down the go-to card. Okay, Yager was just like top five. Yeah. A card that I chased as a kid, obviously, being in Toronto, was Matt Sandin. And then, and then later, Curtis Joseph. Um, Mike Medano is a card that seen, has seen some big growth as of late because of his status as potentially the greatest player from the U.S. of all time. I don't buy that. It's a conversation, right? I know, I know, I know. Um, the, that, that's a card that, you know, a couple of years ago was very obtainable, around $50. Uh, I think it's around one and a quarter, 150 right now. Give me Martin Brodeur all day, bro. Right? And that you would have to na navigate yourself to the score set. Um, so a lot of people are probably digging in and grading 9091 OPG Premier, deciding which ones are worth. It's obviously worth expressing if you have a nice Jagger. Um, I sent in my best Jagger. Um, in reviewing it, the only thing I could think of, because the centering was great, 
was perhaps there was some of that discoloration on the back of the card. It's got sharp corners and edges. I don't know what else went wrong. It's funny. Did I tell you that I was in, so I was in a hobby shop like two, three weeks ago and there was a kid there and he was talking about wanting to grade his OPG auger. And uh, he's like, yeah. Yep. And he's like, you know, I really think it's 10. And uh, I was like, okay, awesome. You know, like, I mean, I, I haven't seen the card, but I was like, hey, like just for a second, like two seconds, why don't you go ahead and check out what the price of a 10 is and the price of a nine. Right. So he did. He went and he like looked up comps, literally like right in front of me. Looks, him up, looks it up. And he's like, why is there such a big gap? And I said, go check out the pop, like the population report on the tens versus the nines. And the tens are like, I think less than a thousand. And there are some astronomical number of nines that it's, uh, you know, it's all, you got to think like, it's almost like a, like they must ring a bell when one of those hits a 10 now. You know what I mean? Well, like, potentially, yeah, you know, that that's what gets people. I mean, like I, I was pretty, you know, Again, I was kind of on the outside thinking I, I, this could be a 10. Um, I think it's centering, it's potentially uh, fading of the card or, or, or discoloration. Because otherwise, I don't, I mean, I do see ones with damaged corners, but that's just because they've been stored yeah. a certain way for many years. Yeah. Out of the pack, these cards come out very nice. So uh, it could just be because people neglected them for several years and then started pulling them out. And again, with white corners like that, you might think that's an advantage. It's harder to see damage, but it's also harder to see if it's really a good corner. Yeah. Um, and I also lines... feel like not a lot of people used penny sleeves back in the day. Like, I feel like they use top loaders, but like not that's the penny, point. penny sleeve that's... into top loader. Like that, That's a great point. A lot of people are putting cards right into top loaders. Like I see... Yeah, I see a lot of people, like, even on, like, Facebook, for instance, like, if you see, like, older cards, and, like, you can tell it's an older seller, and I mean, like, older seller. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, they never have, like, sleeves in their top loaders, and they're, like, usually, like, those yellowish top loaders that kind of look like, like someone's been smoking next to them, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Oh, well, yeah, like, a lot of them, yeah, they, they have faded over the course of 40 years. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And uh, were never replaced. And uh, the other crazy thing from the 90s was the concept of putting your card without a sleeve into a gigantic lucite block. And that, of course, leads to the, one of the most infamous stories. Uh, I, was, uh, I was there later in the day when this happened, when someone had brought in a Gretzky and a lucite holder to the store to sell. And the dealer very intelligently told him, we can't do anything till we remove the card. And they took out those gigantic screws because this thing is like... Oh, and it was stamped. Three inches thick. It was stamped. Was it? Stamped? Like, was it... There was an, an imprint from the thing. Well, there was no imprint. Really? No, no, no. no, no. When, when they opened up the Lucite block, you had one half of the Gretzky on the one half and the back half of the Gretzky on the other stuck. So they literally ripped the card in half. Um, removing it from the Lucite block. And that kind of nightmare story is why we should, uh, you know, uh, if you uh, have an old collection, be aware and uh, be prepared for some. You cannot just put things right up against that kind of plastic and expect that, you know, 20, 30, 40 years later, there will not be some sort of reaction. 
crazy. Can you imagine the look on the guy's face? I I would I would lose it. Yep. Team, this has been fun. I uh, hope you enjoyed yet another very vibrant, very informative version of the Same. cardboard coaches. <laughs> we got uh, honestly, we got a trip straight up, straight down memory lane from cartel. Like, I mean, like you were in this in the nineties, like, and not it's only like that, you were there in nineteen ninety one. Yeah, and not only that, but. We got some UFC information. I know that a few people have been asking me, and uh, this is definitely going to go a long way. Team, I hope you have the most amazing rest of your day. Remember, not all is bad out there. Keep your chin up. Find something that works for you. Collect what you love, and the rest will just be gravy, you know? Be aware and uh, read the tabloids just to know what's going on. Don't get caught up in it, but know what's going on. Be in the know. Coach Go, out team.